sure. Good to see you today at People's Church to lift up Jesus together. If you're a guest, we're glad to have you here today. If you'd do us a favor, attached to your bulletin is a communication card. If you would right now just fill it out completely, rip it off, drop it in the offering bucket at the end of the service, a way for us to get to know you better, to see if we can minister to any of your needs or concerns today. We sure would want to do that as a church family. Also, if you're a guest today, following the service, if you'll drop out in the lobby, any of the three tables back there with the People's Church tablecloth on them, there's a guest packet that we want to put into your hands so that you can learn more about People's Church. And there's a vision of the on a CD there in that packet. So be sure to pick up that packet immediately following the service today. You'll notice in your bulletin, uh, there's a community group uh, university card. That's next weekend. If you're not involved in the heartbeat of People's Church, our community groups, our small group ministries where people get connected, build relationships, they're discipled, we, 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 we care for one another's needs in, in our small group ministry. So it's a way for you to get connected, to build some friendships in, in this church, a, a large church with five identical services, it's a way for you to get connected. So we want to encourage you to be here next Sunday night at 6 p.m. to meet some friends, some of our small group leaders, some people that are going to be launching a brand new group. And we want you to get on the ground floor and get involved. So be sure to be here. Don't even need to pray about it. If you're not involved, be here at 6 p.m. next Sunday night. And you can get connected in one of our small groups. Well, today's a special, special morning. We have a baby dedication. Always glad to dedicate babies to the Lord. Can I get uh, Elijah Mikhail Burdine, a little baby, to come up with their parents? Crossithio and Tanisha Burdine. And we're going to ded- dedicate little Elijah to the Lord. As they're coming on the stage today, let me explain to you baby dedications. Uh, we, we believe at People's Church um, that praying a prayer uh, at a little age like this doesn't save a baby, but God answers prayer. Uh, when the baby comes to the age of accountability, we believe this baby is going to give his heart to the Lord. And so we model this after Jesus laying hands on the little babies and blessing them. And we want to do that today. We know that our Heavenly Father answers prayer, and we're going to lay hands on little Elijah, knowing that God answers prayer. Boy, doesn't this family look good and all white today? All right, you're looking good today. Let me take little Elijah. I've been practicing, man. I got three little kids of my own. Let me let you view mama and daddy here. Let's, get it, let's scoot over a little bit so we, the camera can, can be able to get everybody. Can you guys scoot over just a little bit there so everybody can get in the picture? All right, let's pray for little Elijah. Would you pray with me, church? Father, we lift up Elijah to you. Lord, we, we pray right now for your hand on this family. Pray for mom, dad, all the family members. God, give them wisdom. Lord, I pray that you would teach them and guide them in how to raise little Elijah in the fear of the Lord. Lord, I pray a hedge of protection around Elijah. I pray at an early age he would give his heart and life to Jesus Christ and serve you all the days of his life. Lord, I pray right now blessings in every area of his life. You would bless him emotionally, spiritually, financially, physically, relationally. Lord, I pray his life would just be blessed and have your favor all over it. Lord, right now, Mom and dad and our church family, we give little Elijah to you and say, he is yours. Have your way with his life and use him for your honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. Amen. Come on, give a good head clap for little Elijah. Isn't he a handsome fella? All right. And then let me present the family. We've got a Bible. Since Elijah's a boy, we did good. We got a blue Bible, not a pink Bible. So let me... And the Bible over to the parents. Congratulations, guys. Praise God. All right. Praise God. Come on, one more time. Give it up for them. Excited to dedicate babies to the Lord. 
We got a lot of babies being born here at People's Church. The best way to multiply this church is everybody next year needs to have twins. Nobody received that, so let's go right on to the preaching of God's Word. Amen. All right. We're in a series called Bling Bling that we're beginning today, and I'm excited about this series. We're looking at fixing your finances throughout this series. And I realize today if, if you're new to People's Church, someone invited you or maybe you just started recently attended or maybe you're new to the Lord or just getting back in church. You know, you're like the preacher's preaching on money and I, I know how, how that is. People's guards go up and they go, oh no, I shouldn't come to church today. Hey, let me, let me put you at ease. Relax. Uh, we're not the kind of church. We're not going to manipulate. We're not going to run out there and grab you and just put a bucket by you. Say, you're going to give your money today. We're not about, we're not about that. So you can just relax and chill out. Uh, we just really want to help you. One of the strengths in, in my life and the Lord has helped Tiffany and I with is in the area of finances. Before we started this church, we were, we were debt-free except for our home. And still, still today, we're, we're debt-free besides our, our home. And the Lord has just really helped us in the arena of finances. And so I, I just want to share some things with you in God's Word. Listen, I don't have any secret strategies that you don't know about finances. I simply just have taken God's Word in an early age. You know, I've just used God's Word and applied it. And God has blessed us, and we've seen financial success in our lives. Over this next uh, four weeks, I just want to share with you some nuggets from God's Word that if you'll listen and apply, they will revolutionize your financial life. You see, we live in a society where we're bombarded by the world's view on how to handle finances. I mean, we're bombarded. Our society, we're inundated day in and day out from television, from everything that's around us in culture on how we should view our finances. You see, society says, listen, when it comes to money, when it comes to stuff, it's all about the Benjamins. It's all about the money. It's all about the bling bling. Just make as much as you can. I mean, hey, if you're going to do it right, you got to earn as much as you can, earn a lot, a lot, a lot, and then be sure to spend, spend more than what you make. That's what society says. We're going to give you some credit cards, a MasterCard, a Visa, and a Discovery card, and a America. We want to make sure that you do it the American way. Be sure to earn a lot and be sure to spend more than you make. Welcome to America. And that's the way that most people view finances and stuff. And what I want us to do today is I want us to take the 100,000 view approach to money. I want us to take the 100,000 view approach. I want us to today look at how, how does God view money and possessions. I mean, I know how most of you view money and possessions. I know how our culture views money and possessions. But the question that we need to answer today is how does God view money and possessions? You see, church, if you were having an issue in your marriage and you came to me and say, Pastor, I've got an issue in my marriage. The first thing that I would want to talk to you about is how does God view Marriage. How, how does God view relationships? If you were having an issue raising your children, the first thing that I would want to talk to you about, not the secular opinion, I'd want to talk to you about how does God view raising children? If you were having an issue at, at the workplace, the first thing I would want to sit down and talk to you about is how does God view and what does he have to say about the workplace and, and how to work? Because, friends, whenever people begin to make decisions based on how does God view this, it makes an impact on every decision they make. Here's the principle that I want you to walk away with today. If you just glean one thing that I have to say today from God's Word, here's what I want you to glean. 
The principle is this. When you see as God sees, you're more inclined to do as God says. When you see as God sees, you're more inclined to do as God says. You see, when you get spiritual eyes on any arena of your life, when you get spiritual eyes on your marriage, when when you get spiritual eyes on your relationships, when you get spiritual eyes on how to raise your children, when you get spiritual eyes at the workplace, when you get spiritual eyes on your finances and on your possessions, it makes a huge impact on your decisions. It impacts your worldview. It impacts your assumptions. It impacts your outlook towards life. When you get God's view on any arena of your life. And so today, today we're going to look at how does God view finances. And I know what some of you are thinking. Well, preacher, I already know how God views my money and stuff. He just wants it. And I said, no, 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 no. Listen, God doesn't want all your money. If God wanted all your money, he would take it. Yeah. The government takes it. Yeah. And God's a lot bigger than the government. So relax. This mess is not, oh, God's going to take all your stuff. And God wants all your stuff. That's not what this is about. We just simply want to look at God's word. We know what culture says. We know what most of us, I mean, all of you in this place have your own view on finances. You were taught by, by school or how you were raised or, 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 from, or from a friend or from a neighbor or from parents. You, you've got your own view on how to handle stuff. And I'm saying today, let's look at the 100,000 view approach. And what is, how, how does God, how does our Heavenly Father view finances and possessions? To do that today, let's look at Luke chapter 16. We're going to look at, at a very interesting parable. And throughout this parable, Jesus lets us know how God views finances. If you have your Bible, I would encourage you to turn there. We'll be there for the remainder of this message. Luke chapter 16 and verse number 1. Scripture says, Jesus told his disciples, There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So this manager is wasting the rich man's possessions. Verse 2, So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. In other words, the the boss, the rich man says, I'm getting ready to fire you from managing my possessions. You're getting ready to lose your job. Notice verse 3, the manager said to himself, what shall I do? In other words, I'm in a dilemma. What should I do? How should I react to this new dilemma? My master is taking away my job. I'm about to lose my job. I'm not, I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. So notice what he says in verse 4. I'll know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. He said, hey, I got a plan. I'm getting ready to lose my job. I notice I haven't lost my job yet. My boss has informed me that I'm getting ready to lose my job. And what I have is I got a little time, and I've got a little opportunity. I got a little time and a little opportunity secure my future. Everybody say a little time and a little opportunity. So this manager realized I'm going to lose my job. I got a little time and a little opportunity to secure my future. And now notice what he does to secure his future. Verse number five says, so he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first one, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill. Sit down quickly. Do it quickly. I only have a little time. I only have a little opportunity. So listen, do it quickly. Sit down quickly and make it 400. Now get the picture here. This manager is getting ready to lose his job. He's got a little time and a little 
opportunity. And so what, what, what the manager does is he calls and hit the people who owe his master. And he says, hey, you owe my master 800. And what I'm going to do for you is make it 400. This guy's like, really? Can you imagine the conversation? Are you serious? Oh, yeah? Yeah, I want to bless you today. I want to be good to you today. So your debt of 800 now, it is 400. Can, can you handle it? Oh, yeah? Oh, I think I can pay that off. I mean, that's a lot better than 800. And can you imagine the conversation? Thank you so much. You're such a great guy. Listen, if I can ever do anything for you, you just let me know. Oh, I will. <laughs> yeah? Sooner than you think. <laughs> And notice what he says in verse number seven. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. Now notice this, this guy owes a thousand. And now he says, listen, make it 800. We're going to shave 800 off the top. I got a plan. I got to work it. I got a little time and a little opportunity to secure my future. So what I'm going to do is going to make yours a thousand to 800. Wow. Are you serious? Thank you so much. Listen, man. If I can ever help you in any way, you just let me know. Notice what happened. The manager had a little time and a little opportunity to secure his future. And he did just that. And from this very interesting parable, Jesus gives us three lenses of how God views our money and possessions. Let me share this with you out of this portion of scripture here, this parable, the first lens of how does God, not how do we, we know how we view it. How does God view money and finances and and possessions? Number one is this, God views money as a tool, as a tool. Look with me in the very next verse, Luke 16 and verse number eight. Scripture says the master commended. Now that's very interesting. He commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. Now notice verse number 9. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends. Don't miss that. Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Now catch this. The master, which is, could be very confu- confusing. He commended the dishonest manager. Now, he didn't commend him because he was dishonest. What he commended him on was, listen, hey, you had a little time and you had a little opportunity and you leveraged the little time you had and the little opportunity that you had to, to build some relationships to, so that you could secure your future. You had a little time, a little opportunity, and you took it and you secured your future for the here and now. And Jesus said, hey, guys, let me explain to you how many people of this world think. He says, hey, people of the world think this way. They think about the here and now. They don't think in terms of eternity. They can think about, hey, how can I enjoy life here? How can I be happy here and now? And Jesus simply says, hey, the people of this world, they're shrewd. They'll do whatever it takes. They realize I got a little time and I got a little opportunity. And they'll build friendships. They'll, they'll con people. They'll do whatever it takes so that they can enjoy the here and now. And Jesus said, listen, guys, as my followers... As my people, as Christians, I want you to learn some lessons from this dishonest manager. First lesson is this. Your finances are a, a tool. You got a little time. You got a little opportunity. And what I want you to do is to leverage your possessions and your stuff to make friends so that when you step into eternity, there will be people there to welcome you. 
You see, here's what you have to understand. The greatest investment that you could ever use your possessions and your finances is, is to take as many people to heaven with you. And Jesus said, there's a very important principle you learn from this dishonest manager. You got a little time, a little opportunity. Use your stuff to make friends so when you get to heaven, there'll be people there to welcome you. Say, thank you. I gave my heart to Christ because you used your stuff. We just had a team get back from Haiti on Friday night. Some of our staff went, some of our church family went to Haiti, and I'm excited to hear all the updates and reports. And, and you know, here's the interesting thing is some of those folks spent their own money to get to Haiti. They used their temporary stuff, the stuff of this world, so they could go to Haiti to minister to other people. And, and we only think about things right now. We're just such temporary people. And God says, let me give you my view, how I view your stuff. You see, there will be people one day that will come up, some, some little boy will come up to you in heaven and say, you went to Haiti, didn't you? Can, can I thank you? I just want to welcome you. Thank you for giving your temporary stuff and coming to Haiti. You see, my mom got saved. And my mom ended up sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with me. And I'm in heaven today because you took your temporary stuff and used it for eternal things. I just want to welcome you and say, thank you, thank you. You see, friends, we have people in this church and I just want to commend you that open up their homes and on a weekly basis in community groups and they spend their own money and open their home up and buy food and, and they spend their electricity and, and spend their own water and people come into their home and we have no idea people coming into our home broken and relationships falling apart, ready to give up on life. And, and one day you say, we just think temporary. We're, we're just thinking about the here and now. And Jesus says, let me tell you how I view your stuff. One day you'll be in heaven and there's going to be somebody to come up to you. Say, thank you for opening up your home. You had no idea what I was dealing with. I was ready to give up and give up on God, give up on my family. I just want to say, thank you. Thank you for using your stuff, your possession as a tool for eternity. I just want to thank you. You see people in this church, they open up their home and we have swimming parties. Some of you have pools at your home and we're able to ha have pool parties. And I can think of two families in particular, especially one family that they've told me like four and a half years ago. They said, Pastor, this is God's home. I want you to know, we, we, we realize this is not our stuff. God's blessed us, but this is, this is God's stuff. And we want you to know anytime you want to have a pool party, anytime you want to use our stuff, our jacuzzi, we want you to know the church can use it anytime. And we've had pool parties over there. We had picnics. Over there. And we just think about the here and now. We don't think in terms of eternity. And God says, let me tell you how I view your stuff. One day there are going to be people and teenagers that come up to you in heaven and say, aren't you that person that opens your home up so that I can go swimming? You see, I came swimming for all the wrong reasons. I came because there were going to be girls there. Pa, da, da, da. I was coming swimming. And I came there. And there were Christian kids there. And I swam. And my life was impacted. I just want to welcome you. And I want to say thank you for using your temporary stuff for eternal purposes. You see, the reason this church is here today, I just want to brag on you. You guys have been so awesome. Is there have been people in the early days of this church and even still today that have bought into the principle of returning the tithe to God, that the tithe belongs to the Lord and giving 10% of their income to the local church. And we do that because we want to be obedient, but, but most of you have an eternal perspective. You realize I'm giving today and, and lives are being changed. And, and you come to the 
1030 service and we've got five weekend services and, and somebody last night in the five o'clock service and, and every week they give their heart to the Lord and, and one day you'll step into eternity and they'll go, hey, didn't you go to people's church? Yeah, I didn't know you. Well, I went to the five o'clock service. I never met you. But listen, I wanted to come to you and just say, thank you. I welcome you because you obeyed God and you sacrificed. You used your temporary stuff for eternal purposes. I gave my heart to Jesus. I just want to thank you. You see, I have to tell you that two and a half years ago when we were raising finances to build this facility and our church was right at two years old at the time, so two and a half, almost three years ago really, most of the people that were attending this church had been here six months or less and we asked this church family, said, hey, we believe God wants to impact people's lives forever and most people in this church that were attending at the time gave above their tithe so that they could build this building. This building is not the church, we're the church, but... We wanted to use a building as a tool, and we built this building because people gave above and beyond their tithe. I mean, they could have bought a boat. They could have bought a new car. They could have bought a new house. They could have upgraded the boat. I mean, they could have done so much. But they said, you know what? You know what? I'm going to use my temporary stuff, and I'm going to use it for eternal purposes. And over this last year of having this new facility, hundreds and hundreds of people have given their heart to Jesus Christ. This church has doubled, doubled in less than a year. Because people used temporary stuff for eternal purposes. Listen, listen to me today. One of the best conversations that you could ever have with your spouse. Now, most Americans don't do this. Most Christians never, never would do this. The best conversation if you're single you could have with yourself. It's okay to talk to yourself. Just don't answer yourself. It's okay. I mean, I, I talk to myself all the time. And every once in a while, I answer myself. Then I know I got to pray through. I'm having a problem now that I'm answering myself. But it's okay to talk to yourself. And, and, and the best conversation you could have with yourself or with your spouse, with your family... It's how do we take more of our stuff and our possessions and our money and leverage it to have a kingdom impact? Not just thinking about us. How do we have a kingdom impact? Because Jesus said, let me tell you how I view your stuff. I view it as a tool. There's a second thing that I want you to see here. Number two is this. God views money as a test, as a test. Look with me in that parable, Luke 16 and verse number 10. Scripture says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Notice this, God views money as a test. And most Christians, most Christ followers, they don't view their money. They don't view their possessions from that lens. Because listen, friends, if we viewed our finances and our possessions the way that God viewed it, it would change the way that we spend. It would change the way that we manage our money. If we realize that God is evaluating us on how we handle the stuff that he blessed us with, it would change our whole outlook on our finances and on our possessions. You see, friends, God measures how trustworthy you and I are by a very simple method. God's method is this. If you're trustworthy with a little, you'll be trustworthy with a lot. If you're not trustworthy with a little, you will not be trustworthy with a lot. I think it's very interesting that God doesn't measure our trustworthiness based on what we want to do or what we plan to do or what we hope to do. God measures our trustworthiness on what we're doing right now. You see, so many people live in the way off yonder. 
Now, I'm a country boy. I'm from Ewoka. Some of y'all don't know what yonder is, but I grew up in, in Ewoka. And so yonder, just follow me. It's way off yonder. That's how most people live. Most people live their life just like this. When I make more money, then I'll do the right thing. I mean, when I get that debt paid off, God, you, you know I'll make a kingdom impact then. You know, when I get the raise and I get the new job, you can count on me, God, one day. When I, you know, when I win the lottery, you're not going to win the lottery. You're not going to win the lottery. Stop it. Way off your God, then you can count on me. God says, you're missing it. You're missing it. You think I'm basing your trustworthiness on what you want to do, what you plan to do, what you hope to do, but I'm looking at what you're doing right now. And if you're faithful and trustworthy with a little, you'll be trustworthy and faithful with a lot. And so many people buy into this principle, if I make more money, things will be different. And you have to understand, listen, all money does is reveal more of who you already are. Listen, if you're stingy, you're just going to be more stingy. You ain't gonna... If you don't pay your bills with a little, you're not going to pay your bills with a lot. If you're undisciplined with a little, you'll be undisciplined with a lot. If you spend more than you make with a little, you'll spend more than you make with a lot. Jesus, I don't view your trustworthiness the way that you view it. Let me give you the 100,000 foot view of your finances. If you're trustworthy with a, a little, you'll be trustworthy with a lot. The best way that I, I can illustrate this for you is by using Marion Jones here. I found this article on the front page of the AOL homepage, and I, I, this story intrigued me, and it really drives home what, what the Scripture says. Marion Jones, seven years after winning a women's record five Olympic track and field medals and snagging multi-million dollar endorsement deals, Marion Jones is broke. The sprinter is heavily in debt, fighting off court judgments and down to a bank balance of about $2,000, according to recent court records reviewed by the Los Angeles Times. Last year, a bank foreclosed on her $2.5 million mansion in an area of Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where Michael Jordan was, was a neighbor. She was also forced to sell two other properties, including her mother's house, to raise money. Jones' financial woes were, woes were revealed in a 168-page deposition in a breach of contract suit she filed in, a Dallas, in, in Dallas against her veteran track coach. Her veteran track coach countersued and won a judgment against Jones for about $240,000 in unpaid training fees and legal expenses. And I'm not trying to pick on on Marion Jones, all I want you to understand is all money does is just, is just reveal more of who you are. And if you're undisciplined with a little, listen, you're going to be undisciplined with a lot. If you're stingy with a little, you'll be stingy with a lot. And God says, listen, I'm basing your trustworthiness on how you handle what you have right now. Not what you want to do, what, what you hope to do, what, what you plan to do, but based on what you're doing. Right now, and the interesting thing is this, that the Bible clearly says that God is not only uh, basing our trustworthiness on what we're doing right now, but he's watching how we use our money and possessions and he will determine how he honors us in the world to come on what we do right now in the here and now.
Notice what the scripture says back in our in this parable. It says in Luke chapter 16 and verse number 11, Jesus says, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, worldly wealth is it's not talking negative about stuff. It's just saying it's of this world. It's temporary. Nobody takes a U-Haul to the cemetery when they die and take it to heaven. I mean, that doesn't happen. It, it, it stays here. It's, it's temporary. It's, it's worldly stuff. It's of this world. He says in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of all of eternity? Well, there's true riches. There is eternal rewards. What we do now, what we do now with our stuff has eternal ramifications. Verse 12 says, and if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? So, Pastor, what does that mean? Well, what Jesus is driving home here is that as a Christ follower, as a Christian, you and I, we don't own anything. We're just stewards. You know, we have to go around thinking like we own stuff, you know. It's my house. No, 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 it's not. It's God's house. Oh, it's my car. No, 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 no. No, that's God's car. And he, he loaned it to you. He let you steward it. And he's evaluating how you handle the stuff right now. And he's going to honor you based on what you're doing with the stuff he's given you. You see, it's all throughout the New Testament. That's why Jesus says stuff like this. Don't store up treasures here on earth where a moth and rust destroy, but store up treasures in heaven where thieves can break in and steal and moth and rust cannot destroy. All I want to remind you is we get our earthly view, we got our own human view, and I just want to remind you our Heavenly Father views our stuff, our money, our possessions as a test. And He's going to honor us based on how we handle right now in the here and now. Point number three, there's a third thing that that I want you to see here. I'm not looking for your view or my view. We're looking at how does God view money and possessions. Number three is this. God views money as a trademark, as a trademark. Scripture says in Luke chapter 16 and verse number 13, that very same parable, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, this is very interesting. God simply says the way we handle our money is an indication of who we serve. It's a clear indication of where our heart is. God says, listen, I view your money, your stuff, your possessions as a trademark. I know who owns you. I know who you're serving based on how you handle what I've given you. You see, most of us, we give God pushback on that. We say, uh-uh, God. I mean, God, you know I love you. And you know I serve you because I go to church every week. I mean, I'm committed to you. I serve you. You're my Lord. I go to church. And God, that's a good thing. As a Christian, you ought to go to church. But the clearest indication of who you're serving and your heart condition is how you handle your money and possessions. But God, you know, I serve in the ministry. And God, I go to a community group. I mean, God, you know. I mean, come on, God. You know I'm serving you. And we, we ought to do that as Christians. But God says, listen, listen. Let me tell you how I view this thing. The clearest indication of your heart is how you handle your money and possessions. Oh, God, don't you know I read my Bible every day? God, I pray. I come to church. I sing the songs. I worship. I throw up a hand every once in a while. God, you know I love you. I love you. And God says, that's good. It's cool. But the clearest indication of your heart 
is how you handle your money and your possessions. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 6 in verse number 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure is, your heart always follows. Doesn't matter what you say, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. God says, let me tell you how I view your stuff. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And listen, church, one of the best things that I can do, and this message uh, has challenged me as I was studying, and, and one of the best things that, that you can do is to take an honest assessment of where your heart and where your priorities are. Now, here's the truth, church. Most Christians deceive themselves. God, you know I'm committed. I go to church. I pray. I read the Bible. I mean, God, you know I'm committed to you. And the most important thing we could do is to really know where our heart is and who we are serving by evaluating and assessing where our finances and possessions are. Because Jesus said, listen, the way that I view your stuff, it's a trademark. It lets me know who you belong to. And I want you to notice the Pharisees' response to Jesus' parable. In Luke chapter 16 and verse number 14, the Pharisees, the scripture says, who loved money. They, they loved money. And you know the interesting thing about loving money? It's, it's really hard to see that you love money when you look in the mirror. But it's really easy to see it in somebody else's life. You know what? I mean, it's hard. I mean, most of us will say, we all love no money. I don't love money. I love God. And it's, it's hard to look in the mirror and to be honest with yourself and say, you know what, I really love money. I love stuff. Stuff controls my life. And if you'd asked the Pharisees, they would have justified it. They would have come up with all kind of rationale about why they were doing it and why they were living the lifestyle they were living. He said the Pharisees who loved money, they were controlled by money, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. They did not like what Jesus, they made them upset. And verse 15 said, he said to them, you are the ones, Jesus said, who justifies yourself in the eyes of men. Boy, don't we all do that? We all have our own set of situations and we justify why we're doing what we're doing. You know, for me, you know, God, I got three kids. I mean, God, I got three little kids, cost a lot of money. I mean, you know, God. Well, you know, God, I, I got kids getting ready to go to college. You know my situation, God. I mean, God, you know I got a big house, baby. You know, I, I leveraged myself. I got myself too far in debt. And God, you know my God, you understand. You know my heart. God, oh, yeah, I do know your heart. I know your heart. And no, no, notice what the scripture says. But God knows your hearts. And God says what is highly valued among men, what's highly valued among men, thinking of ourselves, being selfish, only living for the here and now, never trying to make a kingdom impact, not realizing that the stuff that God's given us is a test. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. And this, the scripture says, made the Pharisees uncomfortable and upset. And, and I realize this message today is making some of you uncomfortable. Matter of fact, some of you are faking it very well. You're mad at me right now. Oh yeah, I know. You're thinking right now, oh, preacher, I don't know what you're talking It's a tool. It's a t- test my foot. Tell you, I mean, I know. It's okay. I know what you're thinking. And I'm just listen, don't be mad at me. I, listen, I'm just trying to teach you today how God views money and possessions. And you know what happens, church? Here's what happens. We get so used to flowing with our culture 
We got so used to doing things our way and the way society does it. And then we hear principles from God's word that go totally opposite and against what we're doing and what we value and what our priorities are. And when those two things clash, it makes us very, very uncomfortable. You know, it's like my, my two boys one day when, when they're six and seven years old and I, I'm going to sit down to them and I'm going to talk with my boys about, about girls. You know how it was when you were little men, you know, when you were little and talked about girls. You're like, girls, ugh, give me some G.I. Joes. You know what I mean? I mean, I won't play in the dirt and eat worms. I mean, I'm, I'm a man's man. I don't want no wor- girls. And that's what my boys will do. Ugh. Girls, I don't want to talk about girls. I say, boys, we got to talk about the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees. I don't want to talk about no birds. Let's go kill some birds. That's all I want to do. I don't want to talk about no birds. Girls, girl, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to talk about girls. I'm not going to do no girl. I don't like girl. I I'll say, boys, listen. Listen to that. Listen to me. I've been on both sides of the fences. I've been on both sides. And girls aren't that bad. Oh, no. I love me some Tiffany, yeah. I like, I like your mama. I'm glad she's in my life. Girls aren't that bad. And, but, but from their limited perspective, because they're so used to being in their world doing their own thing and, and they only have seen this side of the fence, they don't even get the other side of the fence. And, and you know what? I, I've never met anybody on this side of the fence that are doing things God's way. And, and I used to be there and, and they used to be there and I never met anybody that was on this side of the fence that says, you know what, what I want to do, and I, I'm not talking about halfway selling out to God and just kind of playing games with God. I'm talking about they sold out to God and they want to do things God's way and follow God's principles. They realize it's a tool, it's a test, it's a trademark. And they say, I'm selling out to God's values. I've never met, maybe you have, I've never met one person that says, you know what, I want to crawl back over the fence and I want to go back to being selfish and stingy and only thinking of myself, only living for the here and now. I want to go back and I want to embrace these values that I came out. I've never, I've, I just, maybe it's happened. I've just never met one person. But I can tell you, I, I've met hundreds and even thousands of people who used to embrace these values, who used to be selfish and stingy and only think of themselves and never thought about making a kingdom impact. I know a lot, a lot of people who cross over the fence and are doing things God's way. And they say, you know what? I don't ever want to go back. Doing things God's way is really the best thing. And not just in the area of finances and possessions. I mean, I've seen people that said, I'm going to do things God's way in my marriage. And you know what happens whenever in any arena of your life, when you start doing things God's way, you start experiencing his blessings. And you start doing your marriage God's way, God starts blessing you. I don't ever want to go back to that. You start doing your work God's way, and God starts blessing you at your work and your career. And you say, I don't ever want to go back to my way. You start raising your children God's way and doing it God's uh, style and uh, obeying His word on how to raise your kids. And God starts blessing you in your relationship with your kids. And you say, I don't ever want to go back to that way. And you start doing your money and your finances and possessions God's way. And God starts blessing you. You say, you know what? I don't ever want to go back to the other side of the fence. And hear me today. You're here today and you're upset. I hope you don't get mad and hope you come back next week because we're going to talk about budgeting and how to get out of debt and how to reallocate your dollars to, from the stress of financial debt that's choking your neck. We're going to talk about that next week. 
But listen to me. We're not beating you over your head. You don't have to apply this message. You can leave out here today and go, thank you, preacher. Love you. Not for me. God bless you. That's okay. You can do that. I mean, you can do that. But as your pastor, I feel very compelled to say, listen, here's what the world tells us. Here's how we value stuff in America. Here's what our society says. And guys, here's what God says. It's a tool. It's a test. It's a trademark. It's in your court. Lord, thanks for your word. Thanks for your presence in this place today.